time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Let's go ahead, open up in your Bibles if you have them to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. If you're with me, say, I am. All right, good. Matthew chapter 2. And we got a lot of Bible to read this, this, uh, tonight, and so I want to get started. Uh, Matthew chapter 2. We will begin in verse... One. Buckle up, put on your seatbelt. Here we go. All right. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Can you say worship? We have come to worship him. So write that down if you've got a pen or a highlighter right now. Or even if you have a pen and a highlighter, just mark up in your Bibles. Just right there. Just circle that or highlight that. Come to worship him. Verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And this is interesting. And all Jerusalem with him. So not just was King Herod disturbed, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed. When he called together all the people's chief priests, all right, And the teachers of the law. So those are the experts in religion. He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means last among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Okay? So let me just catch you up. Make sure you understand what's going on here. So Jesus has already been born. All right, and this is, this, is, this is Matthew's version where he gives us kind of his version. And in this magi from the east, so out-of-town kings or out-of-town, uh, they were even known to be magicians. They were, they, were, they were not, they were Gentiles. They were not Jewish kings. They, they were from out of Israel, came to worship Jesus, okay? So they came to Herod, and Herod then goes to the chief priests, And the teachers in the law. And goes to them to find out where is this Messiah supposed to be born. And then they immediately quote what this right, this is actually Micah 5 2. All right? They immediately quote it and say, it's going to be born in Bethlehem. All right? Now verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time uh, the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. So this is, he's, he's lying here. All right. He actually wants to destroy Jesus. So he's actually, so are you with me now? This is, this is, this is a narrative. This is a story. So you got to catch the content. This is the same Herod that actually goes out and kills all the baby boys because he cannot find Jesus. He doesn't find him here. His goal here is not to worship Jesus. He's trying to use the Magi to find Jesus. Are you with me? Okay. I, I know, you're a smart group. You can hang here. All right, here we go. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star uh, they had seen when, it's ro- when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. There it is again. 
They had a goal to worship, the Magi did, and then they worshipped him. So they saw Mary with the child, they bowed down and they worshipped, and then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's where everybody just checked in. Oh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I know that story. Okay, yeah. Okay, this is where the Magi give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But remember, they've left from the east. They've come. They've been with, uh, with an intent. I'm going to follow a star to find the Messiah so that I can worship him. That is my goal and my intention the entire time. When they find him, they give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their country by another route. All right, let's pray together, and then we'll unpack this a little bit. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to give his life for us. We're so grateful and we're so thankful. We don't want to take lightly the fact that God became a man for us, lived perfectly, died on a cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, sits enthroned forever, will return for us. God, we, we love the story of Jesus. We love that we get to possess a story of victory because of who Jesus is. So we thank you for sending Jesus to come to a cross. We thank you for sending him to our world, born in a stable in Bethlehem. And we love you. We pray that, that this idea would be more than it's ever meant to us ever before this Christmas. Amen. Amen. It's interesting for me, uh, kind of a crazy story. Um, have you ever just totally, totally missed out on something and it shocked you and you were later disappointed where you just, there was a big event, there's something going on and you just made a bonehead decision and you just missed out. I, I had it happen to me summer after my senior year of high school. I was, uh, I went with some friends of mine to, uh, to Pensacola, Florida and uh, we went to a, uh, we, 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 it, was, it was really wild. One of my friends just invited me to go with them on, on uh, vacation with his family and so we invited two friends. We went on vacation with them and so we went to Pensacola, we went, I mean, we went, we went jet skiing, we were hanging out, it was great, it was, a, it was a full week that we were gone, and I was with two of my high school friends, two of my buds, and we, we just played at the beach. Now, now my friend's dad uh, was a pastor, and so the guy that I went with, uh, uh, what, his dad was a pastor, and so I actually, I know this is going to sound weird, and I'm going to sound ultra nerdy here by telling you this, but as we drove all the way to Pensacola, Florida, I ended up having lots of conversations with his dad, and and, and I liked the fact that his dad was a pastor, and so I really enjoyed conversation with him because I liked his Bible knowledge. I liked who he was. I liked what he was doing. And so we kind of developed a friendship. I actually was not only friends with the son, it was my age, but I was kind of become friends with his dad. So anyway, we're, we're talking all the way. We, we, get to, we get there to Florida. We kind of, you know, we're hanging out. I'm having fun with my friends. And we go deep sea fishing, and, and, and we, we, ride, we ride sea dews. And it's, it's just fun. We're just hanging out, both of them football players. You know, one was six foot three and one was six foot five. They both lifted a lot of weights. I was running around with them. It was really funny. Looked like Scooby Doo and uh, the little one. But anyway, um, what, do you, what do you call that? Scooby Doo and Scrap. What is it? Scrappy. Yeah, that's kind of what we looked like. But anyway, so, uh, uh, so, so anyway, so we're we're spending a week on the beach together. We're hanging out, and 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 this guy's dad. He says to me, he says, David. He says, do you want to go with me to a church service tonight? I said, no, and. He said, do you want to go with me to church? I said, no. He said, now are you sure? And I said, yeah, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, they say that there's this revival that's breaking out here in Pensacola. And, and, and God's doing amazing things. It was this, it was, I won't tell you what summer it was, but it was, it was a long time ago. And, uh, and, and so it, he said, God's breaking out. It's, it's this new thing, and God's working here. And, 
And he said, would you like to go with me tonight? And I said, like, skip the beach. And he goes, well, yeah, we'll have to, you know, go out, drive to church. I'm like, so like, skip hanging out with these dudes. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll pass. I'll, I'm going to hang out with my friends. No big deal until he came home. And he told stories about all that God was doing. And I don't know if you're familiar with the, the Pensacola revival that took place in the 90s and even on into the 2000s. But it was that summer and it was actually that month that I was there that it was just breaking out. And in fact, if you go and you read the statistics on it, over 20,000 people came to Jesus because of that little church and that little revival at that church. 20,000 people. People came to know Jesus. In fact, a, a couple of years later, they had, they had had zero kind of leadership school. And suddenly they had over a thousand registered that wanted to go into full-time ministry that had actually gotten saved at the revival. So we're talking not just about thousands of people getting saved, but we're talking about over a thousand in their ministry school. They didn't have a ministry school before, but there was such a move of God that they started a ministry school, kind of like what we have in DLA. And all of a sudden they had over a thousand people in it instantly because God was so on the move. And in fact, if you were to go back and look at the next five years of my ministry, because then I went into ministry straight right after my freshman year of high school. I mean, my, my senior year of high school, starting my freshman year of college, I went right into ministry. And actually, I heard over and over and over and over again about what God was doing there. In fact, I would run into people and they would have stories about it. I heard about healings that took place there. I remember sitting across uh, with a youth pastor that was weeping, telling me how he got saved there and how God had changed him and how it was the greatest thing. I just remember all of these stories over the course of the next decade out of what happened in this little tiny church in Pensacola. And I remember just every time the conversation would come up over the next decade, I would have a little bit of just what was I thinking? What kind of bonehead decision did I make? I wish I could have gone there. I wish I could have seen it. I wish I'd have been there. I was just so dumb. I wanted to go to the beach with my buds. And I missed it. And I missed it. To this day, I've never been there. To this day, I've never seen it. But I hear about it. I hear about it from friends of mine. I hear about it mostly from people that are younger than me. Many people that I've actually become friends with now got saved or even went through their ministry school. All I can do is when I look back at it, I just know... I just, I just, I missed it. And, and I think as we enter into this Christmas season, as you and I go now into December, we're familiar with the normal methodology. We're familiar with the normal Christmas parties. We're familiar with the normal process where we get out of school. We're familiar with productions. We're familiar with the Christmas carols that sing and we have most of them memorized and my prayer is, is that as we go tonight, next week, as we go into this Christmas season as a DSM family, as we as a family celebrate Christmas together here in the tent on Wednesday nights, my hope is, is that we don't miss the true essence and the glory and the splendor of what this means. What it means that God became a man and Jesus came to earth. Because, you know what? Many people miss it. In fact, even the story that we just read. It's interesting to me to see the people that missed Jesus at his first coming. When Jesus actually came. Because here when you read the story, these magi 
these out-of-towners, these Gentiles, they come into Jerusalem looking for the king. And this is not just looking for the king of the Jews. No. This is looking for the king of all kings. This is looking for the king of every king in the world. This is in search of the one who will rule and reign forever and ever. This is a, a, a search where they're, they're, they come from afar and foreigners come. And this is actually a fulfillment. Isaiah 60, let me just read it for you. Isaiah 60 prophesies that there would be one day kings that come in search of the true king. So let me just read it to you. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Okay, Israel. The glory of God rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thickness and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you. His glory appears over you. Nations, nations, so different nations will come to your light and kings, little kings, little K, kings to the brightness of your dawn. So the kings that come from afar, the magi that come from afar, we call them wise men in, you know, the Christmas pageants. Call them what you want, wise men, kings, magi. They come from afar and they're fulfilling Isaiah 60, that there would be kings from far off places, nations, kings of other nations that come to worship the true Messiah. Now it's interesting that when you look at Matthew, Matthew's going to tell his version of the gospel. Now, you know that Matthew tells about Jesus, Mark tells about Jesus, Luke tells about Jesus, John tells about Jesus. Those are called the gospels. Say gospels. All right, this is Bible class tonight. Didn't realize it was going to sound so bible but it does. So here we go. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are called the gospels. And when you read the different authors, they tell their story. All right, they tell, they tell about Jesus. Now, the interesting thing about Matthew is Matthew's all about the nations. Matthew's all about pointing out that there's going to be people from every tongue, tribe, and nation that worship Jesus. In fact, when he starts here in Matthew chapter 2, and he's going to tell about Jesus. He's going to talk about Jesus being born. He starts in with the idea that people, when Jesus is born, kings from other nations come and worship. That's how he starts. How he starts his version of the gospel is Matthew goes, I want you to know that it's not just... He is the king of Israel. Oh, he is the king of Israel. He is the king of the Jews. But he is also the king of the nations. And so Matthew, when he writes his version of the gospel, he starts, Magi come from the east. They come with the intent of worshiping. And when they find him, they bow down and they worship. That's cool. Now, you know the end of Matthew because we just had it on the video just a moment ago as we talked about how next year we're going to go five different trips all over the world, DSM missions, because where do we get that? We got that verse, that's the end of Matthew, that's Matthew 28, 19, because where, where Matthew ends is Jesus looking at his disciples saying, you therefore, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says, therefore you go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the end of time. Okay, do you see it? So, where does Matthew start? Matthew starts with, Jesus is the king, and kings from other nations are going to come and worship him. Ha, 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 good day. Matthew ends with, Jesus is victorious, Jesus is perfect, Jesus dies on the cross, Jesus raises from the dead, Jesus comes back to his disciples, Jesus tells his disciples, go into the world and tell them that I'm the king. Go into all the world, because I didn't just come for Israel, I came for everybody. 
I came for every nation. I came for every person. I'm going to crush every demon, every devil. I am conqueror. I am king. And so when you read this and you read about this story, this is pretty intense. Matthew's going, okay, Jesus birth. You just think, most of you think of a pageant. You think of somebody dressed up in robes and beards, and it's kind of like, you know, here we three kings of Orient. I mean, you, you think of a Christmas pageant, but I want you to imagine the kings of the earth coming, bowing down, and imagine this. This is an incredible trek that they make, trek, T-R-E-K, trek. This is a trek that they make. Imagine them coming, leaving where they rule and reign, traveling, traveling today is luxurious, but traveling in those days was risky. When you traveled in those days, you risked being robbed, being killed, being beaten up. You know, you rode horses or donkeys or walked or oxen, but you certainly didn't fly in an airplane and, you know, have them bring you free Cokes and eat, you know, pretzels, all right? It was rough. Traveling was hard. And so these guys, they go on the, the, the incredible trek. Imagine, this is a, a far more epic trek than anything we can imagine. I mean, most of you think, when you think of epic trek, you know, you think Lord of the Rings, and you think, you know, let's, you know, let's go and go all these adventures, and you know, we're going to throw the ring in, you know, and that's kind of, woo, wow, you know, kind of thing. All right, but we just got back from Kansas, so we're all thinking Wizard of Oz, because we just did the Kansas tour. That was an epic trek, you know, I don't think Yellow Brick Road. All right, so, but that's a trek. All right, multiply those times 10, thousand, billion, million. And imagine these guys, they're leaving foreign lands. They're going to journey. They're going to travel. Why? To worship. They want to worship. They're following a star. Why? They're going to worship the Messiah, the baby. They're going to worship this moment where God became a man is so significant that not only are they going to leave their foreign land, but they're going to travel. Not only are they going to travel, they're going to follow a star. Not only are they going to travel a star, but when they get to the king of the land, when they get to Herod, they're going to say, tell us, where is the baby? Where is this Messiah? Why? Why? So that we may worship him. Why do you want to worship him? Because we know. We've been told. He is the king. He is the fulfillment. He is not just the king of the Jews. He is not the, just the king of this century. He is the king of all kings, eternity past, eternity future. He will rule and reign forever and ever. All of the prophets, will, uh, the prophetic things will be fulfilled in this man. Therefore, I'll tell you what we want. We want to worship him. So, these magi, they go to worship this baby. And the this intriguing part of the story that we read here in Matthew 2. Did you catch that Jerusalem is in an uproar? And that Herod goes to these teachers of the law, the high priest, and says, where is he going to be born? And they know the answer. They just quickly, they just go... Micah 5, 2, this is a fulfillment, undoubtedly, yeah, he's going to come out of Bethlehem. It's a fulfillment out of Micah 5, yeah, he's going to be in Bethlehem. Now, here's the crazy thing. 
The thing, and this is, this is the thing that baffles me, stunning to me. The teachers of the law, the high priests, they know the answer. They know he's going to come from Bethlehem. They are literally five miles from Bethlehem in Jerusalem, right there. They're five miles away. And yet they don't go search for the Messiah. They don't look at the Magi and say, can we go with you? They don't come to Herod and say, oh, let's, let's check it out. I mean, we're talking about guys that have spent their entire lives studying the Torah, the Old Testament scriptures. They just let this moment pass them by. And they miss it. We're talking God became a man on the earth. And the teachers of the law, the religious leaders, the scholars of the day, they miss it while the kings of foreign lands leave everything to find him. Some have their hearts set on worship, and some have the king nearby, and they miss it altogether. They miss it. Now I want you to know, it's really only, it's only five miles away. It's just maybe over an hour walk. Maybe an hour, depending on where you start in Jerusalem. We went in 2006. We took the furnace there. We had a great trip. Dan Perkins blew a shafar on Mount Zion. It was great. Stefan asked Candace to marry him on the Sea of Galilee. It was a great trip. Yeah, Stefan the man, you know. It was a great time. We had this great trip. Drank a lot of coffee. It was awesome. One of the things we did is we were in Jerusalem. We went to Bethlehem. And it was not a far drive. We can tell you, we were there. It's five miles. Short drive. Really short. And back in those days, we're talking just over an hour's walk. You can go home tonight and you can Google Maps it. Some of you are Google Mapping it even as I'm up here. You're ignoring me because you're playing on your iPhone. You can Google Map it and you can see how close five miles. The king of the ages. The one who rules with an iron scepter. The one who has now sits enthroned, eyes like fire. The one who has a sea of glass like crystal surrounding him. The one who has seraphim falling around him, crying out, holy is the Lord. We're talking about the one who is faithful and true. We're talking about the one who's going to return on a white horse. We're talking about God of the ages, born in Bethlehem, religious leaders of the day who had spent their lives studying to anticipate the day that the Messiah comes, and they missed it. And they got tipped off by magi coming, and they didn't care. They didn't, it didn't move them enough to even try to check it out, to listen. And they missed it. They missed it. So close, and yet so far. And sometimes when I live here, you know, when I live in the free nation of America where we we annually celebrate Christmas, but we celebrate it like a holiday where it's filled with lots of other things other than Jesus. True, a lot of it is to symbolize some Christian things. But is there a chance? Is there a chance that you and I get used to this rhythmic thing where it's, you know, 
claymation episodes, and it's, you know, Char- Charlie Brown's Christmas, and it's eggnog, and it's I get out of school, and, uh, and, and all an NBA on NBC, and it's, and it's just this kind of this holiday that we miss it. Because realistically, one day, all of our lives end up with, did we bow our knee and make him our king? Did we worship Jesus in the days that we had on the earth? And I don't want to be like the religious leaders of that day that missed out because they just missed it. They just didn't look at what was really going on. And while other kings traveled across the known world to worship and to bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the religious leaders of the day. And it's not like, oh, it's off the radar. No, all of Jerusalem was distraught. There was an uproar in the city, and they still missed it. They missed it. And I want to tell you, it is so easy for us to miss worshiping the God of the ages came to earth. His name is Jesus. And Christmas serves as a reminder to us every year that he's real, that he's true, that he's faithful, that he came to earth. That he's returning, that he's awesome. And, I, and, and, and my, my, my plea for us as a family tonight, as just one family, is that you don't miss Jesus. That you don't miss it this Christmas. That you lock in with this Christmas, I'm, I, I, I'm going to worship Jesus. And yes, there was a day where he was a baby in a manger. But that's not where he is right now. He's not a baby in the manger anymore. It's not worship the the little baby Jesus. No. He is the king of all kings, seated, enthroned, waiting for a people that cry out to him night and day in prayer. He is seated in heaven waiting for us to take the gospel to every tongue, tribe, and nation. And he is ready to return to the planet He's the king of all kings. And it's not the king of all kings like, and the king of all kings, like we think you're good and you're better than the others. No, it's like he will rule. Like he, he is God. He's going to rule. Don't miss it. Monday I, uh, Monday I w- went to, uh, I was drinking my Starbucks, a little bit of the glory cloud walking into Briargate shops, and I went to the Mac store. And right before I turned into the Mac store, I was listening to the uh, Christmas music coming out of the Bose speakers in the Briargate shops. So imagine, the, I don't know if you remember, but Monday was a, kind of a warm summer day for us here. I mean, winter day. And uh, so it's kind of warm, and I'm walking. I got Starbucks in this hand. You got Bose speakers singing songs, and I'm going into the Mac store, the Apple store. And I just had, the, I had this thought, to my, I thought to myself, oh yeah, this is Christmas, baby, this is Christmas. And then immediately my heart just dropped and I thought, ugh. That's the lie of our culture, right there. I got suckered, right there. I had a moment of my heart leaping towards coffee, apple, music, mall. Don't let any form of the holiday take you from the holy Jesus that we worship. 
It's all about him. This Christmas, right here, as a family, my prayer is that we would stay in this same vein of worshiping the God of the ages. And at Christmas time, right here and right now, we need worship him. We do not have a heart like the religious leaders of the day. We have a heart like the magi that left comfort zones, took risk, gave what they had. They had gold, they gave gold. They had frankincense, they gave frankincense. They had myrrh, they gave myrrh. They had Oreos, they gave Oreos. If they had Game Boys, they gave Game Boys. If they had whatever they had, Nintendo Wii, they gave a Nintendo Wii. Whatever they had that was of great worth, great value, these kings, when you read commentaries on this, historically, most believe that they brought the most, uh, the most glorious gift that they could bring from their, where they reigned, from their nation. The best gift they could bring. You and I, we often think, well, what gift can I give? What's the best that I can bring? Is the best thing that I can give uh, my iPod because it's the most expensive thing I have? Is, is, the, is, is the best gift that I can bring, you know, I don't know, my car? Because, you know, it's worth 50 bucks. You know, like, what, what, let me tell you this. You don't have to wonder what gift can I give? You don't have to wonder. Jesus already told us what he wants. He wants your heart. He wants you to surrender to him and worship him and love him. And it doesn't matter if you give iPods, if you give gift cards to Chili's or Starbucks or Red Lobster or any of those other wonderful places. What Jesus is looking for is not your scarf, not your coat, it's not your money, it's your heart. He wants your worship. He is the king of the nations. He wants to be king of your heart and your life. So tonight, house band, you guys want to come on up? Tonight, here's what we're going to do. We are going to worship the roof off. We're going to sing this next song, and I don't want you to sing this song Like, this is part of what we do. This is singing unto you. This is glory, hallelujah. No, here's what I want you to do. Tonight, what we're going to do is we are going to worship, and we're going to fix our hearts and our eyes on Jesus, and we're going to offer up our praise. We're going to offer up our gift as, as a united family, all of us worshiping with all that we have. You ready? Stand your feet, run to the front, and let's worship God with all that we have. Come on. Come quickly. Don't talk to your friends. Don't high five. Don't go to the bathroom. Come up here, and I want us to worship God with every fiber of our being. Father, we love you tonight. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you so much for saving us. We live with gratitude. We're so thankful and we're so grateful. And we love you tonight with all that we have. And God, we don't want to stand before you one day and have missed it. Have spent our lives in pursuit of ourselves, thinking and maybe studying and missing out on worshiping, on loving you with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. We want to worship God with all that we have. Don't want to miss out. 
We want to give you all that we have. So tonight, God, see a band of people in DSM that worship you, that love you, that honor you, that bow our knees to you, that glorify you, that lift you up higher than everything else on planet Earth. Be magnified. Be lifted high, Jesus. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.